0: Welcome to the Get Fit with Jodell podcast. I am, as usual, Jodell, and this podcast has been one I've looked forward to for years now. I've podcasted a while back with this doctor, even long before the pandemic, and he made some statements that have stuck with me, and I can't wait to address those for you guys. So if you live under a rock and you haven't heard of Dr. Jack Cruz, he is a neurosurgeon, an author, a health educator, and a self-proclaimed mitochondriac, and thanks to his work, so am I also a mitochondriac so dr cruz has unknowingly taught me all i know about light water and magnetism and i have implemented a lot of his suggestions and it has helped elevate the health of myself my family And more than he knows, a lot of my clients, too, because I've passed down a lot of the information. So I really appreciate all of his work. If you haven't visited JackCruz.com, you'll run out of life before you run out of um, blog posts to read and all of the free information that he puts out there just to help people. So I really appreciate that about him. So, Dr. Cruz, thank you so much for coming back on.
1: Hey, no problem. Anytime.
0: Awesome. Well, a lot has happened in the world since I last podcasted with you. Um, The last time, which was before the pandemic, you said something that stuck in my mind that we have watched happen over the last few years. You said... Mark my words, by the time 5G is completely rolled out, people will die for seemingly no reason. No one can deny that that's happening if they really take a look at the way the world is going right now. We hear it all the time. So I wanted to bring you on to ask you, first and foremost, what's behind this? And is it just because 5G happened or is it something else or in addition to that?
1: Well, it's a multifactorial problem, and it's kind of funny we're talking about it this week because I think most of America and maybe probably most of the world, if they have been paying attention to America, saw somebody drop dead on Monday Night Football right in front of us. And it kind of stunned people because it's supposedly the first time somebody had a cardiac uh, event, meaning an arrest, where they wound up losing their pulse you know, right on the field and had to be defibrillated because they went into V-fib and carted off to the field. We got news today that actually it looks like the outcome is going to be pretty good and solid, that there won't be a major problem that the player is recurring. But here's the the gist of the story. I said it's multifactorial. It's not just going to be issues tied to, um, you know, one thing or another, I don't want to just say it's just a 5G thing. It's the mechanism behind why you're a mitochondria. Understand what a mitochondria really does. It's a power plant of a cell. Generates a DC electric and magnetic current. If that current is disrupted, disease is the result. Now, all of us know there's hundreds of types of different diseases. All of them have different etiologies or pathophysiologies like we like to talk about you know, in uh, in medicine. Um, the one I actually just wrote a blog on today was about the circadian mechanism and how it links to a chemical in your brain called vasopressin made in the posterior pituitary. And if you would have told people 20 years ago that vasopressin was induced by light stress and likely the cause of, you know, several autoimmune conditions, people would have been stunned. Why? Because most people, especially if you're a centralized healthcare Person are taught in school that no one knows the cause of those autoimmune conditions. And I will tell you, most people today still feel that way. But when you're a decentralized MD who understands a little bit of quantum biology and understands fundamentally that everything in the body really starts and begins with that electric current that's generated at the inner mitochondrial membrane from electrons and protons that you get from food and water, then all of a sudden, you know, diseases like multiple sclerosis begin to make sense because you start to find out, you know, why is it that big pharma currently is developing vasopressin antagonist drugs to help people with MS? That should be like the question that every single, you know, physician who takes care of people with MS, you know, not to throw another centralized physician under the bus, but Terry Walls, you would think she'd be the one that'd be leading the charge in this, but she's not. She's still telling people to mind their mitochondria biting you know, leafy vegetables. And I i got to be honest with you, when you're a decentralized MD like I am, we're not going to tell you to do things that are, are are may make you better, but are not going to reverse the disease. Mm-hmm. And the key is disease reversal is what we're fundamentally about. And when you understand that, that mitochondrial um, mechanism is broken in you, then you begin to see how so many of the different diseases that the doctors have no answer for all of a sudden start to make sense. Mm -hmm. And uh, ultimately, um, the use, or I should say the abuse of the light spectrum is one way to do it. You know, when I tell people this story, if you stand behind a piece of glass, it's almost equivalent. And I don't want to say equivalent because that's really the wrong word. Equivalent in the sense... That you're doing the same thing to your mighty country. You stand behind a glass window and the sun's through there, you're effectively creating a blue light toxicity problem. That's exactly what you do when you're on a screen. It's exactly what you do when you put a cell phone up to your head. It's exactly what you do when you put, you know, the earphones in there and you're using your phone to talk on Bluetooth.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Now, the intensity, the power density, the joules per centimeter squared, those are the things that differ. So the effect is gonna lead you know, to different issues. Why? Because what ultimately is paying attention to those electromagnetic signals? The water that's made at cytochrome C oxidase in your mitochondria, That hydrogen bond network fluctuates and it fluctuates based on the energy that it's resonating or oscillating within your environment. And it turns out you are the idiots that create most of that. See, nature built us to be in the stuff behind me and behind you. And we don't spend enough time in it. And modern life, everything about modern life has brought us from outside, inside. And people don't realize. It. I mean, a lot of people think I'm an old curmudgeon. You know, when I go after people in the food industry, like the Western A. Price Foundation, when they invited me up to, you know, Vermont in 2016, and I put that video out. And I told him, I said, look, Western Ring Price was alive today. He'd be a black swan mighty contract. He wouldn't be following Sally Fallon and her crew of merry men trying to get people to eat raw milk products. <laughs> the reason why, if you look at his book, every single picture uh, exactly. of the people that he showed, they were outside. And, and you know, the thing is, this is the hardest thing for people to accept about quantum biology and nature, that it really is that simple. The more you're in the environment that your blueprint is built for, the better you'll do. And the thing is, I, I I think I've gotten the reputation partially because of my own fault, where I said that food is just really not that important or exercise is not that important. It's not that it's not important. It's not at the level where everybody puts it. Because if it was, remember, there's 250 diet books written every year. Well, why the hell isn't everybody in great shape? You know, if it's that simple, if it's really calories, calories out and, you know, you need to exercise three, four or five times, whatever, whatever you want to tell people, tell me why people are not doing well. Mm -hmm. And and there are people that do those things that are not doing well. Mm -hmm. You know, the guy that we just mentioned on Monday Night Football, he's 24 years old, supreme shape. And this happened to him, Mm -hmm. you know, so you got to ask yourself. What is it? And see, I look at it. um, I know that it's multifactorial, but I know that it all flows down to that organelle, that mitochondrial organelle. There's, you know, Doug Wallace, who's probably the guy that pioneered mitochondrial medicine 45 years ago. He's been doing it that long. Um, He's famously said in several of his videos that he's given at medical schools that he believes 85% of diseases are have a mitochondrial base meaning that's where it is i have said on multiple podcasts that i believe it's more like 99 i think the only diseases that are not mitochondrial based are the ones that we know are pure genetic in nature and do i still believe that some of those genetic ones in nature still play a role in screwing with the mitochondria in the cells, so that even if you maximize the mitochondrial health in people with genetic diseases, they still can do well. I've got a friend that I've written a blog out about that. um, And his name is Jeremy Tom, he has cystic fibrosis. And Jeremy has just passed his 40th birthday. His mom was told that he'd be dead by six. He still has his own lungs, but he still does the things that I teach people to do. So I don't want anybody to think That even genetic diseases can't be helped by the stuff that I teach because the funnel, the vortex of energy, is it all comes down to three things, light, water, and magnetism. That's the simplistic way of telling people how things work. Now, when you want to understand the details, that's, listen, that's where it gets a little bit sticky. Then I'm not going to stoop to your level. You're going to stoop to mine because I believe you're going to keep believing centralized healthcare doctors that tell you to eat bok choy and reverse your ms i i don't believe that i think that's a part of the prescription but i don't think that's the whole prescription and i i say that with some defiance and some pissed offness you know in my way of thinking because i believe and i've told my members this that if you tell people a half light always Leads to a full BS, and the key with these diseases, if we really want to eradicate them, we have to have a cogent explanation uh, of why this pathophysiology is happening. And to be quite frank with you, you can't have a lot of these discussions with centralized, you know, healthcare people because a) they don't understand light, they certainly don't understand water, and very few of them understand magnetism, and. You know, the ultimate irony to me actually occurred this week when I saw the kid, you know, have a cardiac arrest. You will have doctors on Twitter arguing with each other, oh, it's it's Comodio, Cordes, you know, it was myocarditis from the vaccine. Uh, Of course, none of them say it It may have been his iPad that his playbook was on. Uh, But the truth be told, I think a little bit of all of those are part of why it happened, and probably the biggest reason is that T. Higgins hit him in the chest with his helmet, you know, and it happened all at the right time. But it's because that 24-year-old guy's redox wasn't as good as it could be in his cardiac muscle. Uh, And do I think that that trend is going to get more positive over time? And when I say positive, that's not a good thing. It means that I think we're going to see more died suddenly stories on the Internet and i do i don't want anybody to think that we're just talking about this is just from one thing anything that disrupts energy flow from your environment to your mitochondria and out into your life that will cause a problem and i believe that modern life has absolutely interrupted with that chain of events that we just showed that that is what i call energy transformation mm-hmm. you know if you believe what Tesla said that the entire universe is really nothing but a ball of energy. Um, Then you begin to see the universe a little bit differently. You understand the human condition differently, because what do we do? We take all of that energy. We funnel it down via light, water, and magnetism. And we harness energy, meaning we don't create it. We don't destroy it, but we transform it. And we transform it into something useful. And when we transform it into something useful, we call that a life, okay? It could be the life of the palm tree behind you or the, the trees behind me or, you know, bugs in the grass, or it could be us or even the microbiome in your own gut. Mm-hmm. The thing is when that process is, is interrupted by man's progress or innovation, everybody looks at those things that man has done as a with a positive connotation. I'm the guy, the internet girl that people love to hate, that tells you that there's a negative side, a negative connotation to the use and abuse of these things. I'm not saying people shouldn't use it. I'm just saying that you need to be really judicious in how you do it. And I think if you have certain diseases, you need to really change what you're doing. And when you have some of these diseases, some of the things I'm going to tell you to do, you're not going to like because you've been doing something completely wrong for a really long period of time. Like what I'd have somebody do who had fibromyalgia or MS or say, you know, a brain tumor is going to be radically different than say someone who was a 24-year-old NFL, you know, safe, uh, who was in pretty decent shape. But everybody, that includes me, and it includes you, Everybody has fat on the bone, meaning there's something we can always do to improve our situation. Because I don't want anybody to think that I think that, you know, I'm like Aubrey de Grey and I can get everybody to live to 250 or a thousand years. I think that's total bullshit. Nobody's getting off this planet alive. Okay. You know, we've got a pretty good track issue history, track, track history of this. Nobody gets off the planet alive. Um, but the key of a black swan mitochondria is to unplug from the centralized healthcare system that wants to make you dependent on. I, I want people to know that if they plug into nature and use it as we're designed, you can stay healthy for a really long time, eat a diet that's based on your latitude. Uh, Drink water that's probably higher latitude than when you are. Why? Because we have so much technology now. Mm -hmm. We didn't have all that technology. You could probably just drink your local water. Uh, And then live connected to your earth, you know, with no shoes on, uh, outside. That's what I'm doing right now. I have no shoes on. I have shorts and a t-shirt on. And I'm outside. Uh, (laughs) It's not that hard. The problem is, is convincing people. That something that simple can have that big of an effect. And that's where my blogs come. You go read my Patreon blog that I released today, and you will be stunned at the complexity. You will be stunned how I tell you how this happens. You will if you read that one blog, you'll be able to sit down with Terry Walls and have a very cosy discussion and say, tell me why it is, you know, that Galaxo Smith Klein is, is using phase oppressive. Antagonists and, and actually having an effect on people with relapse, relapsing, you know, multiple sclerosis like she's got. Um, I I find it amazing. She's gotten as famous as she does. She still hasn't cured herself. And she's got everybody eating vegetables. You know, the last time I checked, you know, humans are omnivores. They're not rabbits. And I'm gonna tell you that you can continue to eat whatever diet you want but if you don't get light right you are you are gonna get a wallet biopsy by a centralized md at some point in your life
0: absolutely i can attest to that because before i had learned about light water and magnetism as a nutritionist i was just telling people you know this is the food to eat this is the exercise to do this is you know even some stress management but wasn't seeing the results until I started incorporating, no, you have to get your light right. You have to get sunlight in the morning. You have to block the blue light at night. You have to get off of and stop carrying around that little rectangle and be free from it. That's when you start seeing results in people. That's when not only you start seeing results in their stress level, but also in their body. I've seen people lose five pounds in a week just by taking their cell phone and limiting it to only calls and text as needed. And I had a girl that lost five pounds in a week just from doing that. So there's some, so much truth to what you're saying, as far as like, it's not really pick the diet you want and pick the movement that you like. And then outside of that, get, get the native side. Yeah. Get the native human intuition of being outside as part of your routine. So I love that. Now, what I hear you say is that the 5G is just part of this toxic milieu of, how it's we've the gotten latest,
1: so far from... I would say nature. it's the latest latest iteration. If, if I was being truthful, it's probably not the latest iteration. I would think that probably the vaccines for the people who decided to be in um, the uncontrolled group,
2: mm-hmm. uh,
1: they are now having all the problems, all the horrible things they said. You know, the people like me on the internet for the last two and a half years, we've kind of been vindicated. They're the ones now with the problem. And um, do I think that the non-native EMF environment potentially makes their situation even worse? Yeah, I think some of the things that I teach people about EMF is we started in a zero-G zero world. We're now at a 5G, almost a 6G world now. That's not gonna stop. Tech companies are not gonna stop innovating and technology is here to stay, but you have a choice. You know, I look at technology as a failure. Uh, And when I say that, a biologic failure of man, I think most people view technology as a a positive failure, meaning that it's improved the lives of many, many people. And I can see both arguments. But the interesting thing is, um, since we've embraced technology in the mid-90s, humans have gotten really, really sick. Uh, You can ask I don't care how many doctors you bring on your show. If you ask them routinely, especially the older guys like me, we have seen a rapid change in our medical career um, where our patients come in with base diseases that they never had in the in the 40s, 50s, and 60s. You open up an old textbook. You know, I always tell people this story about Hashimoto's. I have a, a Robbins uh, pathology book. Uh, that was written in 1986, and there's a passageway in there about um, Hashimoto's and how it's so rare; hardly anybody gets it. You know, it was it was a disease first discovered in Japan. Da, 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 da. Now, you ask any endocrinologist, it's the single number one diagnosis of thyroid disease in the United States. So you got to ask yourself: but Darwin was right, and mutations lead to you know to disease phenotypes. How the hell did we go from hardly the rarest form of thyroiditis to the most common in 50 years?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know that's not that's not Darwin's theory. Um, that's a story of transgenerational epigenetics. That's a story of energy production being diminished. You know, in that hypothalamic pituitary axis, that winds up leading to problems with an autoimmune uh, phenomenon in your body and how that process goes. And I understand the thing that I i guess I'm professionally satisfied with. I remember as a young medical student reading that passage and having to take an endocrine test and you know, get a high grade on it and how I answered it. And I think about myself now in my sixth decade and how I'd answer the same question. Um, exponentially more complex but also exponentially much more interesting. Why? Because when you answer the question that way, you start to go, wait a minute. This is all about how atoms arrange in cells and how they work with light, water, and magnetism. No wonder, you know, doctors from 50 years ago had no way to explain, you know, multiple sclerosis or Hashimoto's thyroiditis. Not even the physics was developed, you know, that way. now those things are changing you know and i'm i'm pretty bullish on the future of medicine because i do believe within medicine there's going to be another tree branch grow off and that tree branch right now is firmly the big bark of the tree like if you look at my tree behind me it's a 250 year old live oak it's a massive massive tree but i look at my role is growing one of those branches off into decentralized medicine. When I say decentralized, I think a a lot of people think it's like one of those alternative words. It's actually not. Um, What it means is that there's no central controller in biology. And when I talk about light, water, magnetism, you see those are three different things, okay? None of those are more important than the other. They all work together. And when you really dial down to it, how did biology begin? How did biology begin to tell time 3.8 billion years ago when life showed up on this planet? It used light and dark to begin. Remember, light and dark, that's still two different things. Mm-hmm. And when you think about everything else in your life, it's centralized. Like you think about the central bank and the Federal Reserve. its They make the rules for interest rates and then everything flows from there. But same thing with interest rates in your own bank. Uh, that's a, an example of centralized. centralized medicine is here's the books. This is what we believe. That belief paradigm in the form of a curriculum where all doctors are taught. Uh, that curriculum is biased because the people that create the curriculum are the people that sell prescription drugs. Um, and you need to know that. Or it's the people that sell us food. Uh, and they're trying to convince us, you know, that uh, fruity pebbles are, you know, a good source of uh, grains for children. Oh, don't worry about the sugar. They need that to grow. Uh, that's kind of the idea. And, and you begin to realize that in centralized systems, that dogma and marketing are one and the same. It's basically a, a, a fancy term of, of for propaganda. And propaganda keeps a machine going. So when you're an old doctor like me, who came in in the beginning and it was always altruistic, I became very cynical of the system because I felt that many of my patients were like sausages or meat going into a sausage grinder, and that sausage grinder was the system. And the problem was that system's never going to change until people begin to realize that there's another part of medicine that they've missed. And you, meaning the clinician the surgeon, the teacher, have to explain to people, why should you listen to decentralized doctors over centralized doctors? And it's pretty simple. Um, The genesis moment for, I think, modern healthcare is that centralized doctors believe in a paradigm that RNA and DNA control everything. That goes all the way back to Darwin, uh, probably goes even further back if you want to go back in history. That belief is really what's in Western medicine. Things changed 45 years ago when Doug Wallace came along, and we found out that there was a third genome in every cell, that third genome being the mitochondrial genome, and the things that we've learned about it are nothing short of remarkable, but probably the most important part that we've learned about it is that it is the single most important organelle in the body of transforming energy that you take in endogenous in the form of food or you transform from the outside in Mm
2: -hmm. and
1: how it does it is probably the most spectacular story in biology um and basically it's the biggest electric power unit in the world uh it does more things through electrons and protons to develop a dc electric current you know I've recently on podcast I've taken a different tact and trying to, decide, uh, to describe for people who are not scientists, mm-hmm. understand really what a mitochondria is. Mitochondria is like a refinery. Most people know when you go to a refinery, they bring barrels of oil, and the barrels of oil are useless to Jodell, you know, wherever you are, in Florida or wherever else. But the thing is, the oil refinery actually refines those products into about, 250 other products that you need. It could be lubrication for your glasses, lubrications for your love life. It could be pharmaceuticals for your mother. It could be garbage can, garbage bags. It could be oil for your engine or gas for your car. There's a variety and a myriad of different things that it's made that are useful to us. That's exactly what a mitochondria does to energy. And the most dominant portion of energy in our environment is actually the sun, our Mm -hmm. star. Without the star in our solar system, that's the only external source. I shouldn't say only. That's that's really a bad choice of words. It's the dominant, Mm -hmm. okay? We we do get extraterrestrial energy from the cosmos. We know that. But it's a small uh, little amount. You would have no life on this planet if the sun didn't exist. We would just be the, I guess, the third rock in the solar system without a source. We probably wouldn't have a magnetic field. There would Mm -hmm. be nothing to drive the processes that we all take for granted every day. And, you know, the point that I tried to make to those people in the Western A Price Vermont video that I did is that people fundamentally look at food incorrectly. They, they think about food the way they know it in their reality, but they don't realize, how did nature create that food? And it did it through photosynthesis. Photosynthesis is slowing light down with a chlorophyll molecule and then creating glucose backbone, utilizing light, CO2, and water. And when you actually think about it that way, that's when the story gets really amazing. Uh, most people who delve a little bit into it, they know about proteins, they know about fats, they know about carbohydrates. Um, What they don't realize is that proteins, fats, and carbohydrates are an electromagnetic barcode of where the sun and the earth are at certain points. This is the reason why uh, cactuses don't grow in the tundra. Mm
2: -hmm. It's
1: the reason why poinsettias don't grow in the tundra either. The only place they grow in the tundra is when they have a greenhouse where you can grow them. And when you begin to understand that food is an electromagnetic barcode of sunlight and your position on the planet, then that's when you start to come to my level. Then you start to go, hey, maybe all the things that I was taught about food, maybe I need to start thinking about these a little bit differently. Mm -hmm. And when you think about your own reality, because I like to get people to do that. Mm -hmm. You know, children, children seem to get this way, way easier than their grandparents. I love sitting down with old ladies in the hospital. I see, you know, who have had head trauma from falling down or osteoporosis and say, you know, you've always worn these house dresses for 50 or 60 years. I said, don't you find it kind of funny that, you know, all the wild animals out there never come out of their mothers wearing clothes, but you do. And for some reason, you think there's no problem. Of course, the old ladies will say to me, well, I can't walk around naked? I mean, this is this is not the way things go." And unless, I and I say to them, "I said, well, that's man's belief that you can't walk around naked. And remember, you got that." Mm-hmm. Of course, they'll argue with you more, and then I explained to them. I said, "How come wild animals haven't had the same kind of Jesus moment that they need to be covered up? The fact that the only ones that are really covered up are are the animals that humans take care of, like the dumb horse people who put blankets on them." Uh, and, you know, the people in New York City walking their dogs with, you know, the sweaters on. Um, you never see a wolf in Yellowstone Park wearing a down jacket or sunglasses. And then when you tell the ladies the story about orange trees and, you know, putting nutrients in the ground and water and having sunlight and imm- immaculately, you know, three or four months later, you get an orange on your tree. But if you put a tarp over the tree, you don't get it. So then I ask them, what's your dress? What's your sunglasses? They're tarps. You want to know why you broke your hip? You want to know why you know you developed a brain bleed in your head because you mm. have high blood pressure? This is the reason why. You blocked certain frequencies of sunlight that needed to be refined to create something that you needed to lower your blood pressure. And that's when they go. You got to be kidding. And it's the first time they've ever heard it from a physician. So I can't be mad that the old lady didn't know this stuff because it's incumbent upon us to tell people the whole truth, not that leafy vegetables are a great thing to do for MS. Okay, that's part of the truth. Part of the truth isn't good enough when you're trying to help somebody Reverse a disease. It's it may be good in changing a behavior,
2: mm-hmm.
1: but it's certainly certainly not good at reversing a disease. And most people, when they go to a centralized physician, have a problem they want repaired, not spackle on the broken cortipel They want repair. That is the rate limiting step for centralized medicine. When your paradigm is RNA and DNA, you never get to the the place where energy is transformed into regeneration mm-hmm. that is a mitochondrial story it's not a dna on story
0: okay so that is huge because you're right like you can get a few results by healing leaky gut and you can get a few like less bloating or something but you're not gonna prevent disease so what i'm hearing you say is a lot of this disease is or dis-ease is commute is kind of building up within us because of our sins against nature and you you can look
1: at you can look at it like that i i would say as the sins of nature or the laws you break multiply okay the amount of power that you can transform through your mitochondria drops it's no different than having a dead battery in your car you know the people that live up north you know in chicago right now you know because it's you know the middle of the winter there um if they get seven, eight inches of snow and it gets to minus eight, they'll go out in their car, turn the key, and it doesn't start. They have to call AAA to get a jump. We who live down in Florida, we don't have to worry about that because mm-hmm. it never really gets that cold. Although I, a couple of weeks ago, it did get pretty cold, you know, in this part of the country. Um, the big issue: most people get it about inanimate objects. They don't seem to get it about sentient beings. And the same thing happens to us. That's really functionally what old age is. We're just not, our oil refinery is not good at transforming energy into things we need. And what happens, that's when disease manifests. Mm -hmm. The problem is, there's no natural law. And this is true. This is going to be controversial to say. There's no natural law that says you can't get old lady diseases or old men diseases when you're a baby or a teenager. And, And in fact, we are seeing that now just the same way what we're seeing young people die or die suddenly
2: mm-hmm.
1: much more frequently than we did in years past
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh and you know there'll be a lot of centralized doctors who will listen to this you'll send it to them and they'll say yeah but you know it hasn't really affected longevity of humans well it has longevity of humans for the last five uh four years have dropped inside cities mm-hmm. and modern medicine has no answer for that in fact Most of the anthropologists through the 20th century have remarked that life in a city led to longer longevity. That stopped four to five years ago. So you got to start asking yourself why that's the case. Mm -hmm. But nobody's asking those questions. And if you don't ask the right questions, you're never going to get to the the right answer. Because there's nothing in a city that mimics nature. In fact, everything in a city mimics what you see in a zoo, controlled by humans. Mm -hmm. And... Therein lies the problem. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, you, it's incumbent upon you, the human that's addicted to this current situation, to have that come to Jesus moment where you go, you know, maybe, maybe I need to change how I'm living my life. Maybe I need to think about keeping the kitchen LED lights off. Well, maybe I'm not going to let my wife, when she renovates the kitchen, mm-hmm. put, you know, mercury vapor bulbs in because it makes my brand new granite look great. Uh, those are the kind of things, those little differences can make a huge difference in your life. And the problem is you're likely never going to accept what I just said until you come to my level and you understand how light through your pupil into your eye changes everything in your retina, changes everything in your super nucleus changes everything in your hypothalamus. And that changes all the water networks in your body so that the angles, the bond angles of the hydrogen that's made in the water from cytochrome C oxidase becomes unable to become a battery, a capacitor for electromagnetic radiation from sunlight, And therefore, you've limited your ability to do the normal things that you are capable of doing that you're designed to do through the atomic uh, arrangement of your atoms in your body, because that's effectively what RNA and DNA do. They give you an atomic lattice that works as a semiconductor that's hydrated perfectly well to transform energy so that we can do the cool things that we do in life. Um, you got to get it out of your own way. And the problem is these two frontal lobes that we have here are the things that get us in trouble because humans unlike wild animals they can change their environment really easily you know and that's why i don't have to teach you know quantum mechanics or quantum biology to hippos and lions <laughs> but i do have to teach it to humans because we break more of nature's laws every single day and that problem is getting worse every day that goes back to your original question to me why did you make this prediction why? Because I don't see human innovation changing until people begin to realize that there is a biologic cost mm-hmm. to this technological revolution. Already, eventually, I think we're going to get to that point. You know, I think every decade we've gone on since probably when Becker and and uh, I'm blanking on his name guy that wrote going someone, Andrew Marino, wrote their book in 77 and tried to inform the government there was risks. I can tell you the pendulum has swung the other way. People are beginning to realize that there is a downside. You know, like mothers and children are going to pediatricians now and, and getting handy prescriptions for melatonin. Mothers are starting to wonder why why is my kids getting melatonin when I never got this when I was a kid? And I asked my mom. She never was on it. Like, these are common sense questions. You don't have to be a neurosurgeon or a doctor to wonder why. Or or even a more basic question. Why is it that we have autism blowing up in certain parts of the world when, you know, there wasn't even a paper in the medical literature prior to 1940 about autism? Mm -hmm. Why is that? You know, these are the questions you have to start asking yourself. You know, Alzheimer's. It was a 20th century disease. The first paper written was right around Einstein's papers in 1905. You know, Dr. Alzheimer started to write about these things. Um, And we now have taken it for granted for the last 120 years that all these diseases, um, they're really not, they're not old. They're not related to You know, something that humans have always been afflicted by. These are diseases that we have acquired because of the things that we've introduced that disrupt that flow of energy from the cosmos through our mitochondria out into our cells. And the beautiful part of the story is if you get out of your own way and you listen to what I'm telling you, there's a doctor inside of you that can help fix your problem. But the issue is, you're going to have to reject a lot of the bullshit you've been told. If, if you want a nicer way for me to put it, it's what I tell doctors when they come, you know, to the meetings that I have, here from them every month. When I tell them, I said, you have to unlearn to relearn. So if you have a glass of wine and the wine stinks, you don't drink it. You dump it out and say, hey, I'd like some of that good. Bordeaux. No. Uh, that's how learning should go on. But unfortunately in centralized healthcare, no one, is teaching doctors this. They want to keep the doctor in the paradigm, keep you in line, keep you doing the things you do. If you have osteoporosis, we want to keep you on drugs. Mm-hmm. And everybody knows the side effects of the drugs, but everybody accepts it. They never ask the key question, is there something better out there than what we're doing? See, that's the big—that's the key thing that big pharma never wants doctor stats. You know, we all saw it in COVID. The answer to COVID was not natural immunity. Oh, no, it's roll your sleeve up and get popped in the, the arm. So here we are two two years later. How was that control and compliance decision for the people who did it? Now, the ones that they warned who were part of the control group, they're doing fine. They don't have to worry about myocarditis. They don't have to worry about dropping dead. They don't have to worry about all the, the the different things that are showing up, you know, in the aftermarket data and on the Vera's website. And, you know, now we've got the CDC and FDA lying through their teeth because they realized they made a huge mistake. And just like they did with the polio vaccine in the 50s, it's called the Cutter Incident. This is Cutter Incident 2.0. We didn't learn. So the thing that I like to teach people is know a little bit of the history of centralized medicine. There's a lot of things we do good in medicine. I don't want to sound like, you know, one of those whack jobs that come on and, and tell you that everything we do in centralized medicine is bad. No, there's still things I do as a centralized physician I can tell you that are good. Like you break your bone, you get a subdural, you get an epidural, you need to have surgery. We are great at that, okay? I'd even tell you that uh, what the Buffalo Bills doctors and the, and the doctors at the University of Cincinnati did for DeMar Hamlin That is what we're good at. We know how to treat those things well. And generally, most of those things fall in acute diseases, meaning usually trauma. We've got great answers for things like that, where we suck. It's chronic diseases. And why is that? I gave you the answer for that probably an hour ago. It's because chronic diseases don't fall in the RNA-DNA paradigm. They're all mitochondria. They're all tied to energy. Uh, that's fundamentally, you name the disease, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, you know, heart disease diabetes. and diabetes. Those are the biggies that kill humans now. Mm-hmm. Every single one of those is a mitochondrial disease, cancer as well. Right. But the problem is when you go to those doctors, you don't get the answer that I deliver. And, you know, I can't tell you how many times I'm on social media, like today, um, I posted uh, an issue with the new blog and I had a lady ask me a question and I said, how about you read the blog before you ask me it? Like I literally posted the blog and the question she had was good, but it was already answered in the blog. And I think what people don't realize, at least from my perspective, people only value things when there's a transaction tied to it. Everybody knows this. When something is free, you don't care about it. I need people to care about it. Okay. They need to care about it tremendously. And if they're not willing To pay $5 a month, a cup of coffee at Starbucks for information that can keep you out of a doctor's office. Because I can can promise you this, $5 a month is cheaper than paying co-pays for your Medicare mother who's got a hip fracture. Mm -hmm. I promise you. And if you listen to what I'm telling you, you're probably not going to break the other hip. That's the key. The key is I am trying to teach people how not to use medicine. I'm trying to teach people how to maximize the transformation of energy in their body so that they never get the disease so they need us. That's the key. Mm. When you need us, you use us. But I don't want you to basically get to 50 years old and spend more money on prescriptions than you do on food.
0: It's just what's happening to most people. Now, it's so logical what you're saying. There was a recent, recently I heard somebody use the term biologic. It's like the logic of life is to just get light, water, and magnetism right. But, but it's not
1: anymore. Think but, about what you just said. I want to challenge you on this. Okay. Is it logical? Because you've probably been told this by doctors where you are. Oh, no, no, you, Jodell, you need to wear sunscreen, cover everything up, and you know, um, wear makeup. And, you know, you got told that from L'Oreal. Oh, by the way, you have gray hair. Put some shit in your hair. So you don't realize how much propaganda we've been sold.
0: Yeah. And
1: I'm talking about not just propaganda from corporations. Centralized healthcare is right. a corporation. Absolutely. We're doing it to our kids. As soon as the kid comes out of your vagina, they're ready to stick it with vitamin K and a, and a vaccine. You've got to realize certain things we do are good certain things aren't and you have to do your due diligence not only as a parent but i'm going to say as a young adult when you're no longer tethered to your mom's mom and dad's decision making we need to teach young people you know these things and i believe it starts really at home i think it actually starts with women women are the family unit and i think it's i think it's I don't think it's ironic. I think it's a coincidence that you only get your mitochondrial DNA from your mom. So the reason I like that story is mothers should feel really comfortable. The problem is women feel too guilty about things like that when they learn about this issue. Like, what do you mean? My husband had nothing to do with this? Well, probably not as big a deal as you do. And your mother did and your grandmother. A lot of the women kind of like that. Oh, I can blame my mom for this. Like, well, you might be able to, but I don't think you want to go blaming. I think you really want to understand kind of how the process works because, you know, if a child is born in your family that has a you know a childhood disease like retinoblastoma, you may ask yourself, well, how could a baby be born and have that type of cancer? Well, that story probably started in your grandmother. See, that that's a real tough swallow. Um, and in the beginning of my medical career, I could never tell you that. Because transgenerational epigenetics, we didn't know a damn thing about it. We didn't know anything about it to 2003 when some Duke studies came out and showed us. And it was hardwired in all of us when we had the two astronaut brothers go up into space.
2: Mm-hmm. One
1: came back with his DNA super-duper methylated, while the guy that lived on the planet did. And that kind of told everybody in space medicine that the environment that you're in really can change rna and dna that should have been a clue that maybe it isn't about the rna and dna mm-hmm. and it turned out that the mitochondrial function when they came back was radically different you can read about it in his book he wrote a book about his first year back on earth it's a remarkable read and i just want people to know Ask better questions. And don't be frustrated when you ask a centralized doctor a question and you don't get some of the answers that you hear from me. Because I guarantee I'll frustrate you too. Because I'm going to tell you, you're going to have to do some things to change your environment. You you may have to piss off your kids. You may have to piss off your husband. You may have to piss off your mom. Uh, you actually may have to quit your job. You know, these are... It's not lost on me that some of the things that people have to do that have these problems, they may not be willing to do because they think they're impossible or they're not going to do it. Mm-hmm. And I'm okay with that decision. I don't I don't judge them. I just say to them, that's a biologic toll that you are accepting to pay. That means that you're going to have to live with that disease. You're going to have to carry the water in that bucket for the rest of your life. You okay with that? And that's how you become a slave to the centralized paradigm, because yeah. somebody's somebody's always going to be there, you know, to tell you that hey, you can take Eliquis, you know, if your blood clots, or you know, you can take uh, I don't know what's the drug de jour for autoimmune conditions. Just put on any TV channel, and you'll find out. Yeah. You now the bottom line is, you have to decide how you want to live your life.
0: Yeah. Well, and that, what I was getting at too, is that really we have, it's so simple, but yet, like you just said, people are not willing to do sometimes the simplest things that get the biggest results. Like it's, it's almost like pulling teeth to get some of my clients to separate themselves from their device, this extra appendage uh-huh. that they now have.
2: Well, and yet because... that
0: could be so simple and that could be the biggest needle mover, but they're so vested in it and they've become part of this modernized industry it's... of like we have to always have this little device with us and do everything on it. That it's almost harder to do that than it is to, you know, change your change your eating. They want me to tell them, just, just eat these foods, but don't tell me to take my phone out of my hand and and only use it for calls and texts, you know?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing is, this is the reason why this is difficult when you sit down with people. I I don't think any of those people, maybe you approach your consults with them the way I do. Mm -hmm. Everybody seems to know that going into casino, is designed a certain way to make sure that you get drunk and lose your money. That's why there's no windows (laughs) in a casino. It's also the reason why the casino is more busy at night. It's also the reason why everything in a casino emits blue light. Mm
2: -hmm. It
1: destroys your dopamine level. When they destroy your dopamine level enough, you lose your reward circuits in your frontal lobe. And then they have you just where they want. Mm -hmm. You're going to trade your money for the environment that you're in. And ultimately you're making a bad decision. The exact same thing is going on with technology.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: It's, it's no different. And when you said this relationship, I want to tell you, it's not a relationship. It's actually an addiction. We know that low dopamine is the basis of every single addiction out there. Mm -hmm. So if you don't think that the people who sell us this technology don't know about that? Like, just ask yourself the simple question. Yeah. If you're listening to this, why is it that every computer created in the United States has a blue-lit screen? Why don't they come up red-lit screens? Why don't you have a button that can change it? You know why? Because then you won't use the device that much.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, I'll give you another example. Most people, I think, have heard about this from me, but when they go research it, they're stunned. When the iPad first came out, Steve Jobs put in it an infrared device that if it was close to your body, it would turn off. They never marketed it. You know why he did it? He was concerned about his own children, that the device would stay on and continue to emit RF and microwaves. So they put that in, that if it touched any part of your body, like on your lap, it would stop emitting. Now, that is the manufacturer telling you something very important about their product. But did that stop anybody from using iPads? No, they still do it. How many people do you see that put their laptop on their lap? In fact, that's what ultimately I think killed Steve Jobs Mm -hmm. because he had the iPhone in his back pocket and the laptop on his lap the whole time of his life. That's why he died at 56 years old from a retroperitoneal cancer. And, you know, he was smart enough to realize that the things that he did, the things that he built, he knew there was a problem. And that's why he wouldn't let his kids use them. So even he, you know, I call him the Pope of Destruction, him and Tesla. (laughs) They died by their own hand, but they were okay with it. They traded time for money. So I would tell your clients this same story. You are doing the same thing Steve's jobs did, except on a smaller scale. You may not wind up, you know, with a retroperitoneal cancer, but you're certainly going to get Hashimoto's. Mm-hmm. You may even get MS. And you know that leaky gut you got? You ain't getting rid of it. I don't care how much kimchi you eat, and I don't care how much sauerkraut you eat. It ain't going away.
0: Yeah, because where do they hold their cell phone? Right in front of their gut, right in front of their thyroid,
1: or or here for women, or how about this one in the front or back pocket? Right,
0: right.
1: You know, so you want to talk about why you've got colon problems, perineal problems, sexual problems? Mm -hmm. Guys don't have good swimmers anymore.
2: Right.
1: You know, they have erectile dysfunction at 25 years old. In fact, the the latest thing is kids that are now teenagers and 20 years old. They don't want to have sex anymore.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, there's a reason for that and that reason isn't an rna dna reason Mm -hmm. it's we have disrupted the energy flow so that we've changed the experience of puberty for humans because of our abuse of technology Mm -hmm. and this is so blatantly obvious because the big abusers of technology are younger people and the effect of technology on younger people is greater because their brains are unmyelinated when you have an unmyelinated brain you're more susceptible to electric and magnetic fields you know and you know i have this discussion with people with ms all the time they cannot fathom i said basically you're a 50 year old 19 year old because with your ms you're not able to think properly your cognition's not great and they're like what do you mean i'm a i'm a professor at you know an institution here and then i don't care what the title is I'm telling you that you're not as good as you can be.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, I see all these white matter lesions on your brain. That tells me all I need to know. Most most people, and I'm talking about educated people, they're stunned when I tell them that every time an action potential fires in a neuron, water is released. Most of them don't know that. I said, when you have these white matter plaques anywhere in your brain, you know what that tells you? That's not happening. It's telling you your brain is dehydrated. The 4 gates in your brain don't work. So that means that you can't, you don't have, you are cognitively impaired. You may not think you are because our tests don't have the face validity to find it out, but this MRI sure shows it, and I know it, and I'm gonna tell you, and I'm gonna keep showing it to you because it may be the only thing that gets you to change. You need to break your relationship with technology, and I think doctors need to have either a story or a picture, or some way to translate that image to something that's tangible for that patient. Mm-hmm. That that really is the key issue. And I hate to say it, but most centralized physicians don't know what I just said. They never learned this. I know I didn't learn it in medical school. It's something I, I I I figured out afterwards when I asked questions. I'm like, why aren't these patients doing well? Why is it every time? I do a subdural epidural on somebody who has Parkinson's and Alzheimer's. They tolerate anesthesia horrible. Mm-hmm. And I started changing the, the way I did their surgery. Mm-hmm. Started turning off the OR lights. Started doing a headlight that was red light when I did their operations. Magically, they started to wake up differently. Stunned anesthesiologists. After some back surgeries, I shine red light right directly on the dural. I found out that the patients needed less pain medicine post I was like, mm-hmm. hmm. That's interesting. Then I went to the literature and found out if you use photobiomodulation, guess what? It reduces opiate use. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And then I found out about POMC in the eye. I'm like, so that's how it
2: works.
1: (laughs) I was like, son of a bitch. You know, and that's that's how actually decentralized medicine needs to work. It brings that research into the clinic faster for patients so they can get better information to get better. Now, I can lead you to water, but I can't make you drink it. That's the frustration. And there'll be a lot of people that come in to see me and they're not willing to do what they do. Instead of doing what centralized docs do, they just keep writing you scripts. I'll shake your hand and say, I don't want your money anymore. (laughs) Because the most valuable asset that I have is my time. And I don't waste my time on people who don't value. Which is why I told you before on Patreon, when somebody tells me that I'm not worth $5 a month, they've already told me, how they value me. Why would I want to waste any more time if they don't value themselves that much? They're better off going to spend their $20, 30 $40 copay with the centralized docs and getting written. The script is your. Yeah, and
0: something you said when you said the, uh, what was it? Anyway, it made me think about dopamine. You can lead somebody to dopamine, but you can't make them make it. That's <laughs> like, that's why they're not asking questions. Like,
1: exactly, You're right. You are so they, right. They can't even begin to help themselves when their dopamine levels are low. And you know what? It's incumbent upon you and them to know it. So what do you have to do sometimes? And I've done this as a decentralized MD. I'll lie to them and just tell them, I want you to do this because this will help, and I give them some bullshit reason, they start doing it, and guess what? They magically, the dopamine level comes back and say, yes. hey, that worked. What else can I do next? And then that's how you know you're having a good clinical effect mm-hmm. because they're asking for more because they got the small clinical win. Yeah. Then when they get further down the pipe, then you can start layering in the real difficult things, like to explain really how water works in neurons or how water works with sunlight. Or how mitochondria make water, you know, or how magnetism affects how things happen in the brain, you know. That that's the high-level stuff. To sit down with somebody who's a newly diagnosed person with MS and to have that discussion about how vasopressin basically makes the bar magnets in your mitochondria and in in water better, that's not a discussion that <laughs> most people, at their probably the first year of the diagnosis, they're even going to comprehend. The only thing they care about is yeah. the only thing they care about is, Hey, look, my face looks funny now. And, you know, my limbs aren't working. You know, I don't want to look or feel like this. I'm like, okay, well, this is the things you have to do. Um, And, you know, we're not, we're not always successful. Some people, some people are more in love with their disease than they are with their health. And that's true, both on centralized medicine and it's true in decentralized medicine. It's, It's one of the things you realize as a physician Uh, that frustrates it's part of the reason why i think doctors burn out you know all patients who are listening to this think this is a one-way street they blame us Mm -hmm. i'm gonna tell you as someone who does this who's very open-minded the most frustrating thing for me in my medical career is for people who i know i can help who do not help themselves
2: Mm -hmm.
1: and that's that's what causes burnout and the thing that i realized in probably the last seven eight years those are people that I need to subtract from my network faster right. than I did. When I was a centralized doctor, I'd never get rid of them. Why? Because you'd wallet biopsy these people for 20 years. They were perfect, they were the perfect paradigm patient for centralized healthcare. But they are the most frustrating people in a decentralized. Yeah. And and that that little tidbit that I gave you, when the doctors come here to learn about Bitcoin and the doctors come here to learn about how I practice medicine. I tell them that story and they all look at me and they're like, wait a minute, I'm going to walk away from my best revenue source. And I'm like, yeah, if you're going to do this, this is the path that you need to go. And you need to understand that you are going to get your patients better and better and better. And when they get better, trust me, they're going to be the people that bring people to you eventually. Mm-hmm. and they will come in droves and people i tell i tell doctors this all the time what people should be paying us for is what we know not what we can do
2: mm-hmm.
1: what we know is more important than what we do in a centralized paradigm and you know i'm saying this as a surgeon you know i'm the guy that puts your spine back together fixes your head put screws and rods in you when you break things what we can teach you is more important than what we do Mm-hmm. The, the time that what we do is important is what I told you, when we're dealing with acute traumatic injuries. That's when what we do is more important than the information we can impart to. Them. And I always tell people that the, the word surgeon in Latin means teacher.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I was taught that as a very young doctor by another surgeon. And he said, if you have to educate through the prescription pad, you're fundamentally not a good doctor. This guy was one of the smartest neurosurgeons that I ever was around, not only because of what he told me there, but he was basically telling me there's a limit to what I can do with the scalpel, And you, as the physician, have to have good judgment to know what the limit is of the scalping and what the power of the information is. And I'd love to tell you that I was good, but I wasn't. When I was 40 years old, that's when I got really good. But from the time I was 25 to 40, I was just like everybody else, you know, that's in that centralized paradigm right now. And I'd love to tell you that I think younger doctors are better. They're not because they're all tech addicted. They're, in fact, some of the most tech addicted people that are out there because their whole education has been through a screen and they don't accept that. They accept the paradigm just like. You know, people who are orthodox religious, accept you know, you know, a dictum from 600 years ago that you shouldn't eat pork. Yeah, 600 years ago, not eating pork was smart because we didn't have refrigeration. Right. <laughs> you know, but right now that's kind of not like a. It's not really a, an issue anymore. But right. the thing is, religions never adapted, and what I'm concerned about in centralized healthcare is that some of the things that we now know are not true, they persist in, in medicine. I mean, that's the role of the decentralized physician, that you've got to teach the public. Why? Because it's much harder for me to teach physicians because their glass is full. Their belief, their paradigm system is very difficult to change, and it's hard to change when you realize they make a certain amount of money by doing this stuff, and you're basically telling them, When you transition to be a decentralized doctor you're going to take a hit to the pocketbook but eventually that hit will come back Mm -hmm. and if you do it um a different way especially if the the medium that you transact with your patients correctly changes you can even have a bigger effect
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Um, and not everybody not everybody's willing to do that but the people that i want to have the the longest term relationship or people that understand why I feel the way. Yeah. Those are the people that I want to spend time with. You know, I just had somebody uh, while I was on trauma call for a whole week call me with an issue related to their family, um, and I just thought to myself after I hung up the phone, this is a discussion that I would never have with a patient. You know, in my centralized practice, you know, where we take care of you know epidural, subdural, and broken backs. And I, and I said to myself, I said, this is the reason why I still do the other stuff. It's because I'll never get burned out because I know I'm doing the right thing here and I'm doing the best I can on the other side, you know, trying to pull people into the boat, you know, who need it. Hopefully some of those people who I fix their brains and their necks and their spines, they start to ask questions in that post-op period. Hey, Doc, what can I do to get back to work faster? And then you start, you know, give them a little information they're like well you did a good job on my back so i'm I'm, i might listen to you a little bit more about this sunrise thing yeah so that's how that's how that's how you have to adapt yourself Mm -hmm. that's the key
0: Mm i love that because it's like you can you can teach a man to what is it you can feed a man a fish for a day and they you know, yeah, you can fix somebody. You can give them brain surgery, or I can have somebody and say, "Here's a diet." But until we teach them, and like you said, at, teach them to fish. Teach them to fish. Yeah. Because yeah. I mean, then don't take don't just.
1: It's exactly yeah. what I told you before, Joe. Bill. Uh, I I said to you, I said, giving somebody welfare cheese or free information has a shelf life, mm-hmm. uh, and it's the same thing with what you just said. You need to teach people that the information that you give them is is so incredibly valuable. Not only valuable for them, but it's invaluable for their for their families, for their kids, the people they care about. And you'll find out there's people out there that just don't value this information. Yeah. And you, those are the people that you have to have a short shelf life with. That is the hardest thing to tell other doctors. It's the hardest thing sometimes to tell family members. Right. But I mean, I, I, I've told family members like, the longer you listen to your husband or your wife the worse your condition is going to get that's your environment mm-hmm. you are living with someone who's low dopamine that's you're never going to change her your, you're never going to change anything about you because they're pulling you into this environment mm-hmm. they are the casino dealer in your life
2: mm-hmm.
1: and you know how hard that is for some people to hear about their husband their wife or their kids you know and it's becoming a big issue with kids now because kids are stuck in their their families basements now until they're 40 you know and a lot of time the reason the kids are there is predominantly because the moms and dads didn't get them outside they created these little dopamine babies and they don't realize why children are fundamentally different now than they have been in the past and it's not like they're lost causes if we just teach them Mm -hmm. but they need to replug into nature all the things that you may not like about them magically go away Mm -hmm. you know you can fix people and you don't need ssris or melatonin to do it Mm -hmm.
0: so true now if we shift gears just for a moment because i know we're i don't want to take up too much of your time but um i wanted to ask you about your thoughts since we have kind of obviously have our sins against the way nature intended us to be what about man messing with nature too like what do you feel about you know this the lines in the sky we've been seeing in geoengineering and stuff like that i just wanted to pick your brain about that and see how That's, that also is affecting us
1: it's the same thing as the arguments that i already gave you about okay. the tarp and about the window okay. if you put something in there between the earth and and the sun that fundamentally changes the spectra or the frequency, do you think you're going to have a problem? The answer is yeah. Yes. No, it's, it doesn't matter why we're doing it. it, it that's not the point. The okay. point is if you live in an area where they're actively doing it, it's a come upon you of realizing, A, how much of my current medical issues are tied to this, and then look around the idiots around you and see how many of those people are using this and how many cell towers are around you. All right. That's the reason why I tell people anything with radiation, whether it's X-rays, cosmic rays, or 5G,
2: mm-hmm.
1: it's the answer is the inverse square law. The closer you are to the point source of radiation, the bigger your risk is. Mm-hmm. Simple. So if you live in a place like Destin and there's only thirteen thousand people in December, but there's a million in July, don't go to Destin in July. <laughs> Stay there in the wintertime.
2: Right. Now the
1: story is flipped. If you live in New York city, there's 14 million people there all the time. You never want to live
0: there. Right. Right.
1: You know, and unfortunately I use New York cause that's where I was born and raised. Right. But these days because of 5g, any city really above a hundred thousand, yeah. my view, it's, it's not good. You probably need to consider going. Uh That doesn't mean that you can't still get screwed up in a small city. You can't, especially if, something in your neighborhood happens to be screwed up that you didn't know about Mm -hmm. you know that maybe some underground utilities were messed with or you know there's some some other thing going on where there's jump conduction between a water pipe and a gas pipe and you have alien magnetic fields in your living room but all those things can happen these days why because we're using non-terrestrial parts of the electromagnetic spectrum Mm -hmm. and our biology is built around turning sunlight into a DC electric current. You know, I I try to tell people this story all the time. And I don't, I I put it in blogs, but I've written at least two times and I still have never really been asked a lot of questions about it from the people who read my blogs. So that means it went over their head or not. So I always talk shit about Tesla, okay? And I tell people the AC power grid's terrible. The reason why is when you plug in anything to an AC power grid, you get electric power, but you know what else you get? You get radiation that comes off, meaning there's another part of radiation that's given off. When you use a DC electric power system, there's no release of RF radiation at all. That's the reason why nature chose DC. That's the reason nature doesn't use AC. What what is our power grid made of? DC. Why? Because. Can I it's guess good- the
0: story that you are going to say? the uh, I know. I think I know what you're going to say from your blog is it when you tested the tesla you wanted to test a tesla with your with your radiation meter
1: yeah that was in los angeles in 2015
0: yeah and that they stuck escorted with me when you said that i do remember oh no,
1: they escorted me out now i will tell you since that time tesla's done a much better job of containing the magnetic fields in the car so the teslas today are built way better than they were initially but the point remains Why don't you really want a Tesla now? It's because it still has to be plugged into the AC power grid. So when you plug it into the AC power grid, what are you doing? You're emitting RF radiation all the way around you. That RF radiation goes through every wall. Won't go through the walls of my house because I have lead line. But most of you don't. Because most of you don't know that that's a risk. You don't even know that when you put a Lutron adjustment to your ceiling fan, you're doing the same thing except on a smaller scale. Or if you have a Hunter ceiling fan and you have one of those stupid little buttons, (laughs) you know, that adjust the fan, you're doing the same thing. Anything you plug into an AC power grid is a law against nature. So that's the reason I'm not a fan of Tesla. And I didn't personally like Thomas Alva Edison because I thought he was a pretty evil dude. But the one thing that he was right for the Tesla is that DC electric current. A dc power grid is a better idea the problem is it's not a profitable idea and it's not an idea that could be sold to the masses like you know westinghouse and tesla did through ge and jp morgan from 1893 on and the problem is every time somebody plugs in with that power grid we've just created a disruption in that chain of events that we talked about an hour and 20 minutes yeah you know, <laughs>
0: Yeah, no, we're going to wrap up too. But I didn't even get to talk to you about Bitcoin. So I might have to have you back on for that. But there was a recent post you made that I wanted to wrap up with. It said, what is one toxic thing that you have eliminated in 2022? And I love that. And I really want people to think about, as 2023 is now here, what's one toxic thing you can eliminate? And I think if they've really listened to this episode, they can hear that just detaching from these devices and going outside is one toxic thing that they can eliminate just by being more in line with what human nature is supposed to do and being less in line with what modern society says you're supposed to do. Yeah. I
1: mean, look, everybody's toxic thing is going to be different. It's kind of funny that you read that post because I put mine up there for everybody to see. Mm
2: -hmm. And
1: then a bunch of people put theirs. I think there was, I think there was a lot of people on that post, but I was very amazed that the most dominant thing, the answer was there, was people. They were going to remove toxic people yeah. from their life, and I guess this is kind of the circle of life for this podcast with you. You wanted to start it out talking about five G and how everybody was dropping dead. Yeah. What I would say to you is, before you drop dead, you get sick. And I think one of the things that's linked to sickness is that people change. You know, we always have this cliche that we change as we get older. You know, a lot of older couples that get divorced, that is a common thing you hear. I believe the reason the divorce levels have gone up so much has to do with this issue tied to electromagnetic pollution. Why? Because I think it changes us in different ways. And the thing is, when you realize, and it doesn't have to be a spouse, it could be your kids, it could be your family. You know, I think about all the people that I have had talks with about this in the last four or five years, and even in my own life. I have noticed myself, I have less patience with people that have lower redox. And I know that that's a problem for me, because I look at it like, how can you not get this? And I know that I know they can't get it because their brains don't work as good, yeah. you know, as mine does. Cause I pay attention. I'm more, I'm probably more crazy about how I take care of my own brain than I do any other organ in my body. Um, Because I think it's, it's the most valuable refinery that I have.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I'm probably wrong about that. I probably just want to take care of that one is because It's my favorite one. Let's put it that way. And I want people to realize, you know, like this kid we talked about early, DeMar Hampton, his weakest link right now at 24 years old is his heart. And he needs to realize that heart is loaded with mitochondria. He needs this message that we're talking about today more than anything else. Mm -hmm. He needs to know that he needs to reconnect with nature in a big way. And, you know, Many of your listeners may not know his story. He, he went to the University of Pittsburgh. He's a black guy. He now plays in Buffalo. What do you notice about that? Black skin is ideal around tropical environments. He he went to school at the 44th latitude. He's now at the 46th latitude in Buffalo. He's 24 years old, but his heart stopped. So if you're paying attention to what you and I are talking about, remember when you asked me what's the effect maybe with his use of technology from his iPad or getting hit in the chest from T Higgins. Did the fact that he is an African-American that relocated from inside the twenties to the 45th latitude, his whole life play a role. You know, my answer, Right. Does, does it surprise you that he got a worse latitude now that he's playing with the bills? Uh, and think about when his injury occurred in this des- in December, January, right. when the power of the sun at the high latitude is horrible and and what what saved his life a defibrillator that delivers what a dc electric current to his heart that's exactly what sunlight does when you're naked in the tropics where he was designed to be so what am i saying saying it what we all saw on monday Night football was preventable okay i don't think it, it's a story of him just being hit in the chest Hopefully your your listeners get it. I'm telling you that the Redox power in his heart isn't as good as it should be for a 24-year-old. Do I hope he gets that message? Yeah. Do I hope some of you get that message? Yeah. I want you to start to think about things differently. Think about them. Think about your blueprint, how you were designed. And start doing things. Based on that, you don't have to do a lot. The single biggest thing, if I was going to tell anybody, the number one thing I think you should do is to go and see the sunrise every morning from this day for the rest of your life. If you do that one thing, you'll be doing more than any doctor can do for you the rest of your life. Now, there's a lot of other things I would add to that, but that's the (laughs) one thing that I would like to say to all of you. The one toxic thing I want you to change is I want you to learn how to make love to the sun every morning. Mm -hmm. That should be a part of your routine from January 5th, 2023, until they put you in the ground and throw dirt on you. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think it was you I heard that said um, you only get 25,000 sunrises in a lifetime anyway, so you don't really want to miss any of them. No, you don't. No, they're too pretty anyway to go out and do. I love having mine with my morning cup of coffee. So, yeah. Okay. So as we wrap up, I have one last question. And I like to ask all my listeners this. Audrey Hepburn has a quote that says, I believe that every day should have at least one exquisite moment. So I would like to know what has been your exquisite moment today.
1: I had an interaction. Um with somebody at the crack of dawn today, that was extremely special. Um, Something that I said to them that I think moved the needle for them. And I did something that I normally wouldn't do. Um, I bent a knee and at a time. I wouldn't bend the knee because I thought at that moment that they needed to hear what I said and understand where it was coming from. And uh, I actually told the person, because they asked me after I did what I did, where I was going. And I said, well, it's about 45 minutes to sunrise, so I'll be going out to sunrise. And the person said, well, if I had the ability to do this, because they had to go to work, I would go with. And I said, then that tells me what I just told you. Makes a lot of sense. And it made me feel good because they started to realize what my concerns were. Trading time for money by working at the wrong place, doing the wrong job, is one of the biggest mistakes we all make.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And the thing is, when you care about somebody, and you try to tell them that it sounds counterintuitive that you want them to quit a really high-paying job. What kid is a high-paying job if it's going to put you in a box? I mean, that's exactly the story of Steve Jobs. Yeah, you know he's a billionaire, but you think about it—how effective a billionaire was he if he died at fifty-six years old?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And to me, that's a bad trade. Yeah, and that's kind of. That's kind of the moment that I had this morning with, like with this person.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's so true. Like, what are you going to do with a billion dollars if you're dead? So It's like, you know, let's but have a little Steve bit of jo- money and have a lot of time.
1: <laughs> Steve jobs probably said, well, I can leave it to my kids and they will have generational wealth. I mean, I know what the answer is going to be, but yeah. the point is, I always say this to my people, if you're not good enough for yourself, who are you good for?
2: Yeah.
1: And the bottom line is, I think most of the people in your life that care about you would rather have you in their life right. than your money. Sure. They want to have experiences with you. Right. The, the reason that people like you or hate you is because of you. And if people are drawn to you, um, to me, that's more valuable um, than when people trade money. You know, people, people, people have to pay me a lot of money to see me generally because I probably wouldn't hang out with them because the reason they're sick is they're not doing the things they need to do. But the thing is I find it a joy to sit down with people when they're all in, when they're totally all in and they ask, you know, right off the bat. And uh, that it's kind of funny. This, this uh, last six, seven weeks, I've had more of those experiences inside the hospital than you can imagine. Wow. The problem is it it takes me forever to do rounds when this happens. (laughs) You know, so I get stuck in the hospital. But the thing is, the reason I'm doing it is because there's a genuine concern from people. I think how you started this podcast and the reason why I'm very optimistic is that I think people realize something is radically wrong in the world. And they know, and they're asking questions. Yeah, That's what makes me happy. Why? Because I will sit down with you and explain it to you. I've sat down with kids of patients, family members that were in the room with patients and had this discussion, you know, where there's no transaction at all. The thing is, it was the right moment for them to hear the message. And I guess just like circadian biology is, There's a right moment for you to get things right, and that starts at sunrise. And I guess what I'm telling you about your relationships with people, even if you don't have a big relationship, if you just met them in a couple of days when they're there, you you can have an unbelievable effect. If you know how to handle that wall. Mm
2: -hmm. I
1: think you become... You become really good at this wand when you're more connected to nature. When you begin to understand that you can really help people just sometimes by talking to them, holding their hand or sharing a moment,
2: mm-hmm.
1: it's it's as powerful as the blade.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I love that. That's perfect to to hear from a physician because you don't hear that normally. So I love that
1: um it it happens though it does it happens and the thing is you have to be willing to do it a lot of docs won't do it because it makes them uncomfortable but at the same time i think a lot of doctors don't realize because they don't have the perspective that i do i've been doing this a long time how ill health people really are now and i know they know something's going on and they want to know well, you know, doc, I've been taking this medicine forever. Why am I still taking it? You know, and it's the same story I get from the functional medicine patients. You know, yeah. they, they've got me on magnesium for 19 years. I mean, why am I still taking this and my sleep still stinks? You know, that's the kind of story I hear. If you just sit them down and say, look, you got the classic propaganda. Let's talk about reality. Yeah. What do you mean? I can't watch Netflix past you know eight o'clock every night. Uh, so that's the reason you're taking the magnesium.
0: What'd you do before Netflix? You know, think about that. <laughs> so that that, yeah.
1: that I don't want to think about.
0: Right. <laughs> so we will have to do this again because, like I said, I got more to ask you, and especially with the Bitcoin thing going on. So I want to I want to get you back on for that if you'd be so kind. But um, how yeah, can it's, people? It's, it's-
1: it's the greatest time to buy Bitcoin right now. Right?
0: I know, right? For sure. Come in right now. Um, how can people find you and learn more about you and your longevity center? And is that just for doctors or lay people can come well, here
1: too? For the last two years, it's been mostly for docs. I've been teaching doctors about Bitcoin. Uh, I haven't been seeing any patients in the longevity center. Okay. Um, since I closed Optimize Life and started the Cruise Longevity Center. Mm-hmm. But right now... Uh, most of my time is spent between Florida and El Salvador. okay and I would tell you most of my business now is tied wow. really to teaching people about decentralized medicine and decentralized finance. okay uh, the easiest place to people to find me on the biology side is I would tell you just follow my social media. It's Dr. Jack Cruz everywhere you know on Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn. Uh, on all those places I have free stuff that you can find also on jackcruz.com, but I think the best stuff that I'm doing, probably for the last four years on the biology side uh, and on the Bitcoin side is actually on the Patreon blog. So you go to Patreon, I promise you it'll be the best five bucks you ever spent. I don't charge any people more than that unless there's something special that's out there. But I believe I have over 300 articles on Patreon Mm -hmm. that, you can read every last one of them for five bucks. Mm-hmm. Now, it'll probably take you about 10 years to get through. Right. Them. <laughs>
0: that's I said you'll run out of life before you run out of stuff to read exactly. from you.
1: Exactly. Mm-hmm. But uh, also when people ask questions, I tend to answer the questions that are good. Uh, the ones that aren't good, you usually don't get an answer. And that is a clue mm-hmm. what you're doing. And, you know, I do the same thing on Facebook. I've, I've kind of cut back. I usually put one post a day and that's it. But the Patreon site, it's patreon.com backslash Dr. Jack Cruz. Come visit it. Um, The current blog that got released today is about uh, your circadian mechanism and how it affects water. And the disease that I really get into discussing there is multiple sclerosis. Okay.
0: Dr. Cruz, I love your passion. Keep it up. And uh, we'll do this again as soon as you're able. So I appreciate your time.
1: Sounds good. Take care
0: all right i'll have all the links in the show notes for you guys to check out so be sure and do that love how unique you are and that your needs and diet are as unique as your fingerprint that's why not every diet in the world will work for you because you're special okay so as your nutritionist i believe in your bioindividuality, and it's my job to act as your nutrition detective and find the root of your issues and create a more optimized u2.0 So are you looking to ease some digestive distress or maybe dial in your sleep? What about lowering environmental stress that could be causing, you know, stuff like undue anxiety? What about food struggles and emotional connections to food? Or maybe you're simply suffering from diet confusion and not sure where to start to improve your health. That's where I come in. So let's set up a free 15-minute call to see if I'm right for you. That's right. All you're going to do is email me at getfitwithjodell at gmail.com. That's J-O-D-E-L-L-E, and let's just chat about you and see if we're a good match when it comes to getting you the results you've been waiting for. And no matter where you are, you could be in Asia, Brazil, Chicago, or somewhere in between, we can connect via Zoom or phone or any way you like to get you the results and your health once and for all. Let me be your guide and let me get you there. I'm feeling a little blue today, but in a good way, because I took my methylene blue, that is. Two of my favorite supplements for optimizing my mitochondria, those little energy factories in virtually every cell of our body, are a product called methylene blue and also magnesium. And both can be found, really great sources, at lifeblood.co. The most authentic and well-researched form of methylene blue and magnesium that I have found to date is the one carried by Lifeblood. We know magnesium is our calming mineral and responsible for over 800 different processes in the human body, helping with calming you for sleep, easing constipation, creating a better heartbeat, thwarting chocolate cravings and sugar cravings, and even easing leg cramps and spasms, plus much, much more. And I don't know where I'd be during the last three years, during a time when many around us were ill without my methylene blue to keep my cells immunity going. Methylene blue is antiviral, antiparasitic, antimicrobial and even helps combat candida overgrowth you can get yourself my two favorite supplements by clicking the link in the show notes for lifeblood and using my promo code jodel j-o-d-e-l-l-e to save on your very own purchase of those two items or any of the wonderful products at lifeblood again that promo code is j-o-d-e-l-l-e to save and just visit the show notes below and click the link i think you'll be glad you did